Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this time and for the space and the gathering for us to worship you, Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, as we transition now to your message, I pray, Father God, with everything that we've gone through this week and with all the worries and the anxieties and the weight, God, on our shoulders, I pray, Holy Spirit, we lay them down at your feet. We pray against every distraction, any attack of the enemy. We silence them in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray, God, that as we transition, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Father, we love you. We put you as a center right now. Father, we want to make all the glory, give all the glory to your name and give you all the glory that you deserve, Father. We thank you for this time and this space, Father. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, my prayer. And God's people pray, amen and amen. So the title of the message today is called The Purpose of Church. Turn to your neighbor and say, The Purpose of Church. And let's bring a lot of excitement today. So, purpose of church. Starting with an article, it says this. It's an article that I found online. It's by Ed and Ramona. And the title of the article is called, What Being Married 63 Years Have Taught Me About Love and Life. And it says this. A good long marriage is a gift, but it won't come without determination, dedication, and a whole lot of love. You learn after a while not to sweat the small stuff. You forget those ugly words both of you threw out there, especially to hurt. You remember what brought you together in the first place, and you relive the moments that brought you joy. You become a family, not by blood, but by heart and by endurance. You come to that point where together, your old selves replace your young selves, and until, quote-unquote, death do us part. doesn't seem like such a long shot. At times, we've been the helpers, and at other times, we've needed help. We've buried all four of our parents, along with siblings, who died too young. Those weren't events we would have chosen to face, but with each one, we grew stronger together. We became battle buddies, bound forever, each of us grateful that the other was there by our side when things went wrong. So the message today is called The Purpose of Church. It's starting with point number one. Point number one is this. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. For your maker, your God is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Isaiah 54, 5. Later I passed by when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Ezekiel 16.8. And it goes on. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. 2 Corinthians 11.2 Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives just as what? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And last, Hosea chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness. And you will acknowledge 
the Lord. The Bible is very clear that the church, we as a church, that we are the bride of Jesus Christ. It's a covenant. It's a marriage. It's not a casual dating relationship where you see that person once in a while only when you feel like it. But it's a covenant. It's a promise you make. To death do us apart. It's a promise that you make that God is our husband. That we as a church, that we are the bride of Jesus Christ. That our God is a jealous God, as it says in Exodus. So we see all throughout scripture, even in the story of Hosea, with Hosea and Gomer, Israel representing the promiscuous wife as Gomer. God tells Hosea, the prophet, to go marry Gomer as a symbol of my covenant to you, that Israel has been unfaithful, that it's a marriage before God, that the church, we cannot forget that number one, the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. Number two, the church is part of God's eternal covenant. Turn to your neighbor and say eternal, eternal. Covenant. covenant. Ravi Zacharias, he says this, God created the church as the primary institution of evangelism and apologetics. I'll say it again. God created the church as the primary institution of evangelism and apologetics. But the problem is our culture Right now, in the year that we live in, our culture is so bent toward individualism. The church is not about me, but it's about the body of Christ. The church, the church, and we say things like, I am done with church. I don't really need church as long as I am home, listening to the sermons online, and no relationship. My relationship with God is personal, and it's okay. I cannot stand human-made inventions, it's okay, organized religion, I'm done with it, and I get it, I understand. You say things like, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. But that's like saying, I love you, man, I love you, but I hate your spouse. They come in a package, they come together. We cannot say that about the church. And I had the privilege at a young age, I was blessed to grow up in a church. And a lot of my fond memories, the memories that I have, when I look back and reflect upon fondest and the greatest memories, it was in the church. You know, I was born literally in a church because my grandfather was a pastor. I remember when I was young, I would wake up and fall asleep to the sound of prayer. When there were morning prayer, when people would come to church and pray. And literally, I would hear the sound of prayer and fall asleep. And we have to remember that the church is way bigger than you and I can comprehend right now. I want you to think about right now, in any given Sunday, all in the world, all the services that are being held that's giving glory to God. The church is an eternal covenant that God has given us. And some of us, we've had the privilege to witness different churches, not just in America, but in all around the world. You know, before we started this church, my wife and I, we went to all different services, churches, uh, Bukun Tabernacle, Times Square Church, Cambodian Church, Chinese Church, different churches, just to see what the churches are like. You know, throughout missions over the years, we've seen churches in South America, in places in Asia, Africa. We've seen all these different places. We had the opportunity to see how big the church is and this world, how God uses the church as a primary institution of evangelism and apologetics. 
In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11, it says this, that God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, eternal plan. This was his purpose, which he carried out through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus, our Lord. The church is part of God's eternal covenant. That's point number two. Now let's go to point number three. Point number three is that the head of the church is Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, the head is Jesus Christ. He is our leader. Jesus is the head of my life. Jesus is the leader of my life. Jesus is the leader of this church. It says in John 15, 4, it says, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit all by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In that one verse, the word remain is mentioned four times. That means it's pretty important. The third time it's mentioned, it says it must. It's not maybe, but it says you must remain in the vine. We are called as a church, as a bride of Christ. We are called to remain in the vine. We are called to remain and abide in Jesus Christ. If we're not abiding in Jesus Christ, we will be broken off and we will die in the ground. It says we will be thrown into the fire. We have to remain in Jesus Christ. We are the bride. Therefore, we must remain in his love. Because the Bible says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We must remain in Jesus Christ. Number four, the people are the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the church. And turn to yourself, get your phone, do selfie and say, I am the church. No, I'm kidding. You are the church. The people are the church. The building is not the church. Whether the physical building is there or not, the church will never cease to exist. The church is always going to exist because people will exist. We see Notre Dame Cathedral, one of the most visited places in Paris, more than the Eiffel Tower. We saw that at an instant with all the rich history and everything that it was destroyed through fire. Meaning all human-made achievements are temporary. The church, it must be our safest refuge. And it's not the building. We hear things about natural disasters. Churches, they open their door for them to help out people in their community. But I am talking about that the church is not a physical building. Even in the movie, Lemony Snickets, based on the book, it says their physical home was destroyed by fire and their parents had died. Right? So there are three siblings and they are adopted into their uncle's house. They go up in the attic in the movie with Jim Carrey, and we see the scene where they put a blanket as a cover, as a protection. And they gave this word, sanctuary. And in that movie, it says, sanctuary is a word which here means a small, safe place in a troubling world, like an oasis in a vast desert or an island in a stormy sea that we see a church, even though they lost their physical home, they lost their physical parents, they had each other. The church, the body, is us. It's the people who are there for each other. You don't go to church, you are the church. Therefore, we must be trustworthy people. Our church it must be a safe place, a safe haven, a safe refuge. A church is not a place where people gossip, where people spread lies and cause division. 
A church is a place, it's a safe place, it's a sanctuary in a troubling world. The church is the people, it's us, it's you and I. Without the people, there is no church, it's just a building. It's just an empty building. It's the community. Sanctuary is a safe place where people gather. It's a refuge. It's a place where we can feel safe and we can worship God. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 18. That when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am there with them. And we see it all throughout. The church is not the building. We see people hiding and worshiping in office space. Even in China, underground churches are office spaces. People, they go and they worship. Places around the world where church is illegal, having organized religion is illegal. They go and they go and hiding. With North Korea, we see we send them clips of things through the balloon and we send Bibles. They get the Bible. It's so precious. It's priceless to them. But for us, we have access. We have become spoiled in a sense that we have the building. We have the roof. And we think church is just a building and that's it. But church is beyond that. It's a place where the people gather. It doesn't matter where, but where they gather to worship the name of Jesus Christ. In a local transcript of an unknown author, he or she wrote this, The church is never a place, but always the people. Never a fold, but always a flock. Never a sacred building, but always a believing assembly. The church is you who pray, not where you pray. I remember when I was young, some kid pulled a fire alarm and the fire trucks had to come and <clears throat> during service and it was like hectic. And I remember all the church, like, it was a pretty big church, so everybody went out to the field and we were worshiping. We had service outside because in the building we couldn't go in because the alarm wouldn't stop and the firefighters had to go in and make sure. And that's when I realized, and I remember that moment because that's what a church is. It's the people. It's the people that come together. As a clothing cannot define an individual, like Brian is very, right? He's the best dresser out of all of us combined, right? As clothing cannot define an individual, the structure of a building, it does not define the church. The material of the building can no more be than the clothing that we wear. You know, we're not defined by the label brand and all that stuff. We're defined by who we are before God. That's character, not reputation. And it's who we are as people of God. We are defined by who we are as God's chosen people, not where we are in a physical building. So the question is, it's a challenge for us as a church, as we're here in this space. Who are we as a church who are we as a church? Jesus did not die for a building. He died for us. He died for you. He died for us. He died for humankind. He died for all of us as people of God. He died for people. He died for me. He died for you. And he died for us. That is the truth. That by faith that we are partakers of all that is offered to us. Grace, forgiveness, reconciliation. Hope, purpose, acceptance, and having a renewed life. And as a citizen of God, as a citizen of heaven, and as church members, we receive the full benefit. And the only qualification is through faith in Jesus Christ. Not by a physical building 
or having a nice building or space to worship. Yes, that's good. It's good to have a nice building. Why not? But again, that's not the church. That's not what makes a church. Number five, the church has many different fishes, and we are not meant to be alone. I'll say it again. The church has many different fishes, and we are not meant to be alone. I have an image for you up there. Uh, It's called fish long lining. And many of us, we run away from society to be alone. But you have to understand that church It consists of many different churches, many different people from all different backgrounds, skin, culture, wherever. It doesn't matter. It has the proud, it has the meek, it has the lost, it has the rich, the poor, Jews, Gentiles, female, male, infants, to the elderly. It has all people. That's what the church consists of. And even women are held in a high esteem. We see Paul in Romans 16. There are 28 individuals that are mentioned, but from 9, 10, 11 people out of 28 is women. And it says, greet them with a holy kiss. It says, greet one another. Greet them with love, with a holy kiss. Meaning, even women are held in a high esteem. That God loves people, all people, the meek, the lost the found, doesn't matter where we are, who we are, that God died for us. And we have to understand that the church has many different fishes. And we are not called to be alone. Therefore, no one should say, as long as my people are good, I'm talking about race, or where we're from, or the neighborhood that we're from, we're okay. No, the truth is, just like the picture that we're seeing here, in shark water documentary, they talk about long lining. To catch a shark for their fins, they throw this, and in that process, not only sharks become in danger, but other fishes will become casualties as well. Meaning when one group is targeted, we are all in danger of becoming extinct. We see World War I, World War II, We see the story of the Vietnam War, the Korean War. They have fear during the Cold War and all this was happening. We see the allies versus Axis, the powers. And we have to understand as human beings that we are only strong as our weakest link. Just because our nation is doing well and other nations are suffering, it doesn't make us strong. It means we're not doing our job, we're not doing the part. In a church, Just because we are strong and I'm doing well and that other person who is suffering, who is going through a hard time, it doesn't make us strong. We are only strong as our weakest link. Therefore, our job is not finished until North Korea is reached. Our job is not finished until Japan is reached. In these places where the gospel has been presented, our job is not finished until we continue to do the work that God has called us to do. That as human beings, we do not belong to one human race, to one individual race, but to one human race. That we are all together in this, in the fight. Together to fight the good fight for the gospel. You know, I love athletes who come, not just with their own country flag that they're from, but there's this one guy, he came and had all the flags of the world, and I thought that was really cool. You know, representing the world. We have to remember that Jesus came to die for 
the world. The church is not a perfect institution. Of course it's not perfect. But that's what God has called us to be. To reach the weak, the strong, the rich, the poor. And that's the church that God has called us to be. So going over point number five, the church has many different fishes and we are not meant to be alone. So turn to your neighbor and say, do not be alone. Number six, the church is where we find genuine transformation. Turn to your neighbor and say, genuine transformation. And go, and do that thing. Transformers, no. Antonio says, what? Transformers? Transformation. Genuine transformation. Again, the church is not a perfect institution. It is not perfect at all. I'll be the first one to say it. All of us, we know. We grew up in a church. We know it's not perfect. We know that it's a place where the sick gather. But that's the problem. We talk about church as a place where the sick gather, and we just want to stay sick. It's like you go to the hospital. Why? Not because you have given up on life and you want to stay sick. Arlene's a nurse, and imagine you had a patient. No, 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 please don't, don't. Secretly, he was, the patient was saying, no, don't, don't heal me. I want to stay sick. I want to stay here forever. We are not meant to stay sick. We go to hospitals, we go to church so that we can have genuine transformation. Yes, it's a place where the sick gather, but doesn't mean we stay sick forever. We're called to get better and be healed. And we understand that all throughout scripture, we learn about different theology, we learn about things that we know there's foreknowledge, we know there's election, we know there's predestination, we know about glorification. But there's three main things that as a Christian that we go through. Number one, we go through justification. That we are justified. Justified means that you are forgiven in Christ. That no human being can justify another human being because we are all sinful individuals. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. The fact that we are justified in Christ, it means that only Jesus Christ can save us from our legal standing. When we stand legally before God, You are guilty because we are not innocent. We are filled with sin. But through Jesus Christ, through the blood that was shed for us, we are justified. Through Jesus Christ, we have peace. We have access to God through Jesus Christ. And right now, if you're sitting here and if you feel like you do not have access to God, then that is your fault. Because the Bible says that it is through Jesus Christ that we have access and we are able to enter into the place with God to speak and to hear his voice and to have a relationship with him. Romans 8, 17. Now if you are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Ephesians 1, 4. Predestine us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, 11 to 12, it says, According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it goes on, it says, in verse 35, a few verses later, So do not throw in your confidence. You will be richly awarded. So you are justified. We are forgiven. Through who? Through Jesus Christ. 
Number two, regeneration. What does regeneration mean? It means you are born again. You have new life. You have new birth in Christ, created in Christ Jesus. That you are born of God. That you are a new creation. And that you are being renewed. That you are a new individual. That you have a new heart. Ezekiel 11. You have a new heart. Put a new spirit in us. A heart transplant before God. And number three, sanctification. And this is a process that doesn't end until you die. This is an ongoing process. This is not a one-time event. It's becoming Christ-like in his likeness more and more. Every day, each and every single day, a continuous and an ongoing act. It's a process. It's going. We're called to be set apart from sin that we live a life for God by the blood that was shed for us. Therefore, we are being transformed and renewed every single day. Titus 2.12, it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So as trees go through seasons of transformation, of genuine change, genuine transformation, we see it with the foliage, with the leaves changing. As trees go through seasons, through different seasons over time, as leaves change, as branches break and grow, grow new branches, we as a church, as we go through many seasons of change, we have to understand, as long as our roots are rooted in Christ, yes, outwardly we are changing, we will never die. We won't barely survive, but we will live in victory through Christ as long as we are rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, John 15, 4, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You must. This is not a choice. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Only way we can bear fruit is remain in his love. Jeremiah 17, 8, and this is part of our church's name, uh, deep roots, Jeremiah 17, eight says, They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So what was number six? The church is where we find genuine transformation. Turn to your neighbor again and say, Genuine, genuine. transformation. Last point, number seven. A time is coming when God will separate the real from the fake in the church. Say it again. A time is coming when God will separate the real from the fake in the church. Truth. I don't want to sugarcoat the gospel to you guys, nor to me. I can't and I won't. We must always make sure that the word of God is our source. So let's read together in Matthew 13 from verse 47 to verse 50. So I'm going to ask this section right here on my left to go ahead and read. The other section, Matthew 25, is a little bit longer. So guys, be ready. So left, read Matthew 13. And then the right, you're reading Matthew 25. Okay, so Matthew 13 on my left. Ready? Go.
Okay, let's read 49 to 50 one more time. 49 and 50. Go ahead. Okay, good. Let's go ahead and read Matthew 25. Ready? One, two, three, go. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you Matthew 25, 32 to 46. So it's talking about those who love God versus those who pretend to love God. It's talking about those who truly, genuinely love people, love others, love their neighbors, love their enemies versus those who pretend to love others. So in Matthew 25, it's talking about the difference. We've talked about this before. The difference between the sheep and the goat. The differences are, is this, that those who pretend to care to love versus those who really care and love. The sheep represents those individuals who are gentle, easily led, always together. Goats is talking about those who are headstrong, stubborn, independent, and then they can hurt each other. And I've given this analogy before with the movie, the movie Shimido, right? It's about these soldiers who gave up their lives, who are prisoners, they're inmates, and they're called to go and execute the leader, the president of North Korea. But then the government decides to keep it a hush, and they decide, let's just get rid of them. And the sergeant, Sergeant Joe, the guy who gives them the hardest time, like you end up hitting him throughout the whole movie because he's so mean. But actually, he's the one that truly cared. There was the other sergeant 
He was very nice. He gave them leeway. He was very nice to them. But at the end, the other guy saw the group out and he was willing to kill them. But the other guy who was very tough, even though in the exterior wise, outside he looked strong. It looked like he didn't care. But at the end of the movie, you see that he was the one that truly cared. So you can't judge by the cover. You see it from the heart. You see only God sees who we are. And the question is, do we truly love one another? Do you truly love God or are you pretending to love God? Do you truly love the neighbor, the person that is sitting next to you? Or are you just pretending? We're just putting on this act. When we come to church, Monday through Saturday, we live in hate. But Sunday comes along and then we pretend, we act like we're okay. And we love, we're holier than thou. You know, I say it all the time. You cannot overwork a bad diet. Do you know how many calories are in a cupcake? You would have to run like forever <laughs> to burn that. No matter how hard you work, if you're not faithful Monday through Saturday, when Sunday comes, you're pretending eventually you will burn out and you will leave the church. We are called to be faithful Monday through Sunday, every day, day in, day out before God. And that must be who we are as Christians. The truth is there are too many pretenders in the church. And the Bible says pretenders will not last. Ravi Zacharias, he says this in his book, the single greatest obstacle to the impact of the gospel has not been its inability to provide answers, but failure to live it out. That's the problem with Christians. We are failing to live it out. We are failing in our action, in the life that we live. Eventually, pretenders will devour each other or they will be devoured by the devil and by its worldly desires. Wolves in sheep's clothing who pretend to love God and people are those who say, I love you, Jesus, but I hate the church. If you love God, you will love the church. You will not give up on the church. There is no other way around it. It's a package deal. You love God, you love the church. We are called to love one another. What is the two greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What is the second? To love your neighbor as yourself. And it says all the commandments comes down to these two. Love God to love your neighbor. We are called to love. You cannot pretend. Pretenders will not last in the kingdom of God. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34. John 15, 13, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 13. Are you willing to give up your life for your neighbor? Jesus was not a talker, but he literally did it with his action. He literally gave his life for us. Undeserving. The sinner that we are. The wrath of God against sin. How God abhors sin. And through Jesus Christ, we have redemption. We're justified. We're renewed in it. 
We're sanctified in Christ. We are regenerated. We are a new creation in Him. We are being sanctified every day, day in, day out, being transformed in His love. A time is coming when God will separate the real to the fakes in the church. How can you tell? By their love. Love for God, love for each other. So in closing, some of us, we have been deeply hurt by church and therefore we have walked away maybe in the past from going to church. And I understand. I had a season when I was younger where it felt pretty hopeless and I did not want to go to church. I knew I loved God, but I did not want to be involved in uh, church politics and all the things and all the attack and all the fighting and I was done with it. But you have to remember that you can't have one without the other, that it comes together, that it's a package, it's a package deal, that if you love God, you cannot give up on the church. Therefore, we must turn back. We must do church right and be the right church that is holy and pleasing before God. Because the church is called to be set apart in Jesus Christ. So right now, three things that I would like for us to do right now. Number one, this is for the people in our lives. Maybe it's you, maybe it's the people that we know. For those who have walked away from church, I want us to right now take a moment in this moment. I want us to pray that they will run back to the Lord. Like the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter, the wasteful daughter, the wasteful son. It could be your family member. It could be your co-worker. It could be your friends, the people around you. But we're going to take a time right now. We're going to pray for these people, the people in our lives, for those who have walked away from church because of hurt. Number two, for those who have grown up in the church and you have come back recently to church and, yet, and you are remaining in the church, I want us to pray for protection. I want us to pray for guidance. I want us to pray for strength so that they will remain faithful. I want us to pray for these individuals. For those who have run away from church and they have come back, but the question is, how long are they going to last? When is next when they're going to run away? We're going to pray for these individuals. And last, number three, we're going to take a moment right now and take ownership of our responsibilities. Number three, let us ask God for forgiveness for all the ways that you have hurt the body of Jesus Christ. For bringing our brothers and sisters down. For gossiping about them. For hindering them. Maybe through a relationship or through just lies and through the gossip that you spread. I want us to ask God for forgiveness for all the ways that we have hurt and not edified the body of Jesus Christ. Church, it's time to do church right again. It's time to be the church that Jesus, the church that Jesus Christ has called us to be. To be grounded in Jesus Christ. To be a church that remains in Him, that remains in His love. If you do not have a personal relationship, 
if you do not have the love of Jesus Christ in you, how do you expect to love others genuinely in a way that you can give your life for that brother or that sister of yours? A selfless love, not a selfish love. There's no such thing as a selfish love. Love is selfless. Love is about humility. It's about putting others' interests above your own. And right now, we're going to take a moment to pray for these three, three things, three topics. Number one, for the people in our lives who have walked away. Number two, for those who have grown up in a church and have walked away, but have come back or remaining in the church. But for God to protect them, for God to guide them, for God to strengthen them, and to fill them with the word of God so that they may remain faithful. They will not give up on church again. And number three, for you, for us, for me, myself, to take ownership of my responsibility for the ways that I've hurt the church, hurt the body of Jesus Christ. We're going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. It's time now to do church right again. Let's come together right now. Let's lift up our voices. Let's ask the Lord to watch over these individuals, these people that God has placed.